Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our New Has Come sermon series. This series explores our identity as a follower of Jesus, how our old selves have left and the new has come. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning. It's an honor and privilege for me to be here with you this morning. As your pastor said, my name is Mark DeJesus. If you recognize the last name, it is a Spanish last name, but when you look at me, you see a little bit more of the lighter side. That is because I am actually half Norwegian and half Puerto Rican. So there's a fantastic mix going on inside of me. You'd be thrilled to see what I've had to put up in my own thoughts and uh, perceptions in my life and journey. But the interesting thing is that I have an advantage is I'm very well acquainted with living with both fire and ice inside of me at the same time. So wherever you are in that spectrum, in your journey, I understand and I'm with you today. And my job and assignment that I feel God's put on my heart is to just help you take the next step in allowing him to heal areas of your life and allowing him to establish a firm sense of who he says that you are. Because there is an identity that is incredibly powerful that he's placed over your life. And the more you and I get in touch with what that identity really is, the divine perspective of who God sees you to be attached to the purpose that he's placed you on this planet, everything will change in your life. And so I've spent over 22 years in pastoral ministry. I was on staff at a church. I was a senior pastor for a season. And now I'm a full-time writer and a transformational consultant. I spend my time helping people break through the limitations of their life, whether it be a leader, whether it be just uh, an everyday person that is wanting one-on-one help or in group settings. My life passion is to help people to experience transformation from the inside out by getting past those limitations, getting past those hindrances that keep them from the fruitful and transformative living that God wants us to live in. And a big piece of that is really getting a deep sense in your heart of knowing who God says that you are. And the ministry work that I do and the teaching and the writing and the training that I do has really come out of my own personal breakdown. It came out of my own personal experience of coming to a place where I was riddled with anxiety, I was riddled with panic, I was riddled with depression. I was headed towards a massive breakdown in my life. I was working at a very successful church. Things were growing. Everything on the outside was going wonderful. But inside, I was imploding because over the years, there were areas of my life that I was continuing to ignore and not allow God to have access to, to really establish a greater work in my heart and life. And so it took a breakdown. It took a place where I said, God, I don't know how to do this anymore. I don't know how to go on this journey anymore. I need you to come and fill the areas of my life. I need you to teach me what I need to learn to get through this, to overcome this, or else I don't know where else to turn. 
And he orchestrated a series of events and people who came into my life. And he began to open his word to me like never before to begin to heal my heart, to begin to heal how I think and begin to transform a sense of how I saw him and how I saw myself and how I saw the world around me. And I really believe that God is in the work and in the business of healing hearts of helping us to address how we think, how we think about God, how we think about ourselves, and how we think about our relationships, because in those areas is where our breakdown often lies. And oftentimes we come to God and we say, God, I need your help. But God comes and he wants to heal our hearts. He wants to transform our hearts. And sometimes what we do is we just approach him with our intellect. We say, God, you know, give me the quick three steps or give me the things that, 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 that I, can just, I can just take away and, just, and walk away with and, and, and just help me to get over this. Help me to stop feeling this pain. Help me to stop feeling this discomfort. And what God is really doing is he's wanting to heal the broken areas of your heart. I didn't even know I had a broken heart to begin with. I grew up in Christianity my earliest memory in the church is one of those wooden pews. How many of you remember the wooden pews, right? That's my earliest memory, is just kind of falling asleep as a four or five-year-old in the church service on those wooden pews. I grew up in the church. I was a poster child for what it meant to go to the prayer meetings, to go to the activities, to be involved, to religiously perform for God, but I didn't know what it meant for him to heal my broken heart. And it was in that process that I began to understand an identity that I never knew existed. Because see, what we're in right now is we are in a massive identity crisis. In fact, so much of what God has called me into is the result of people's identities are beginning to collapse because they're built on faulty things. And God is wanting to come and heal the heart. And many times we've ignored the message. Just like Jesus when he came, he gave the message that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he's anointed me to heal the broken heart. And they looked at Jesus and said, give us the solutions to save the system around us, the oppression around us. We need you to deal with our government. You need to deal with our circumstances. And Jesus is saying, no, I've come to heal your broken heart. And it upset them. It upset them, even in Luke's gospel, it talks about when he delivered this message, they got so angry that eventually they wanted to take Jesus and throw him off a cliff. I mean, how would you like that on your ministry portfolio? You know, first place I taught, after I was done, they wanted to throw me off a cliff. Not exactly a great welcoming to the message. And all he was saying, what's so threatening about it? All he was saying was, I wanna heal your heart. Because that means I need to deal with the areas of pain in my life. I need to deal with the areas where I hide. I need to deal with the areas of insecurity. I need to deal with the areas of guilt and shame and fear. I need to deal with rejection. I need, I need, to, I need to move past some of the cliches that I live in. And I need to allow God to have a deeper renovation in my heart. And see, we exist in somewhat of a similar identity crisis as Jesus confronted back then because there's so many things they built their identity on that was not solid. 
And so every time I deal with a situation, whether it's a pastor that's having a moral failure and he's collapsing, or whether it's a church leader, or a father who's having a nervous breakdown, or a mother who's having mental illness, or kids that are rebelling, any situation that I'm coming into, there is an identity crisis going on. There's a lack of connection, a lack of understanding who you truly, really are. I remember a moment when I was a teenager and in the church I was in, there was a, a, a special section. It wasn't, it wasn't officially designated as this, but it was an area right back there, right in that back third, and it's where all the teenagers hung out. You see, I had a strategy growing up that I would slowly and methodically move away from sitting with my parents. That's pretty much the goal of a teenager in church, by the way, is I just wanna slowly begin to move away. And I'd say, hey, mom, dad, I wanna sit over there. And they go, no, 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 you're not sitting over there, you're sitting with us. So I had this plan, right? It was a great plan. I would just move one seat away. Then the next week, two seats away. Then I would move uh, aisle forward. Then I'd move one back. Next thing you know, I'm clear. I'm sitting with all the people my age, right? And I remember one Sunday, I was just totally goofing off in the service. Wasn't paying attention, was just not really engaging. Anything that was going on, uh, typical teenage things that we go through. After the service was over, there was a man sitting in front of me. And he pulled me aside No, he didn't yell and scream at me. No, he didn't hit me in the head with a Bible. No, he didn't lecture me. This is what he did. He said, hey, I noticed noticed how you were acting around the other people your age. And I just want you to know, I want you to know that you're set apart and you're different. And I want you to know that you're a leader and what you were doing, that's not who you are. That's not really who you are. What I learned in that moment, because it changed me, It dynamically changed me because I had someone articulate to me a sense of identity. And I, in that time, had lost a sense of who I really was. I had lost a sense of the power of who God made me to be. My ability to influence, my ability to show up and confidently be who I am. And in that moment, all it took was it just took one guy in one moment to not lecture me, condemn me, guilt shame me hit me over the head with a Bible, but just to remind me of who I was, because that's everything. And my heart is bleeding in these days and grieving over what I'm seeing in the identity collapse in people. I'm I'm seeing people who have been very successful in ministry, even at the point of doubting the existence of God, not just turning away from ministry, turning away from even serving God, all because there was an identity that was never tended to. They gave into another identity that was not what God said that they were. They gave into fabrications, they gave in to success. You see, as Americans, there's a lot of things that we pour our identities into that are counterfeit or they're not core of who God says that we truly are. We give into success, we love to feed into status, we love to pour ourselves into getting financial aspects of our life fulfilled. All these areas that we begin to stack up and at the end of the day, we are losing a true deep sense of who God says that we are. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 16. I'm gonna get to there in just a moment. But I really believe that today, God wants to do an identity upgrade in your life. In Matthew chapter 16, I'm gonna go to verse number 13. Jesus is coming to the disciples and he's having a discussion about identity. 
the first thing he does is he starts by talking about himself and posing a question to then lead into what it's gonna mean for you to understand who you are. Because every single person in this room, I want you to know, there is a war over you truly connecting to who God says that you are. Because attached to your identity is a divine purpose and destiny. You see, we have switched it around. We spend so much of our time trying to find a purpose, trying to move and find a destiny in our job, in our work, in our ministry, in our passions, in our entrepreneurial callings, in being a mom, in being a dad, and we hope somewhere over the rainbow we'll land in a place where we'll discover who we are. And in the kingdom, it's reverse. God helps us understand who we are, and out of that flows your purpose, your ministry, your design. You see, it's so much easier to live in that dimension, to just be who you are and let that flow, because then you don't have to perform for people. Then you don't have to fabricate. You don't have to have 3,000 layers of, of, of a shell that people never get to know who you really are. When you understand who you are, that's what you bring to every place in your life. So Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew 16, verse 13, he says, who do, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You see, they do like what we do. They say, oh, 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 oh. some say you're a prophet, because they heard him prophesy, so he's a prophet. You see, that's what we do in society. We love to label people according to what they do. And so you're a teacher, that's who you are. So you do this, we're very performance-based. The problem is, is that is not something that is strong as a foundation to hold the core identity of who you are. And I'm gonna get to who you really are and get past some of those layers. And so they say, well, you talk really well, so you're a great rabbi. You're a teacher. Or in this moment, you, you seem to really bring people in. You're a, you're a good shepherd. And all those things are true, but Jesus says, uh-uh, come on. I want to know, who do you say that I am? And, G, and, and Peter answers and says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And there's two things in this. I know we could get huge into theological trails into this, but it's basically two things. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. I want you to understand your core identity. It's very simple, but it's often misplaced, misunderstood, put in the background. And that is, when you come into the kingdom and receiving Jesus Christ, your identity is a son or a daughter. Your identity is being God's child. And the problem for us is that we don't even have a reference for what that even means. This is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you have to be born again, because part of it is that we need to relearn what it means to operate with our Father in heaven as a child. In the simplicity and trust of what it means to be loved. 
to just know you're a good father and I'm loved by you. To just know I don't have to, I don't have to perform today. I don't have to do this and, and get validation. I don't have to do that because I just know that I'm loved by you. And see, in my work, I've discovered that in probably about 80 to 90% of people I interact with, they have zero memory of hearing their earthly father say the words, I love you. 100% pretty much of the people I talk to have no memory of their earthly father calling out who they are as his dearly loved child, giving them a sense of identity, giving them a sense of who they are. And Jesus is bringing something out critical here because just as Peter understood the power of Jesus' identity, he turns the tables around. He says, flesh and blood could not have revealed this to you, but only my Father who is in heaven. You see, our Father in heaven is the one who deposits identity upon us. And what is in the spiritual is the same in the natural. God established earthly fathers to be in a role where they establish love and they establish identity. It has to be called out. You see, we're, we're living in this desert that I'm praying begins to be healed and the living waters of the kingdom begin to flow, that we begin to change because how many of us had a moment, a crossroads moment, or a series of events where people called out and affirmed the sense of who you are? I mean, men, when was the, when was the first time you really knew you were a man? Unfortunately, the stories are maybe getting your license, turning 21 and you're old enough to drink, or you're 18 and you can vote. Whoa, this is crazy. Where's the real memory of when you knew who you were? Most people don't have a memory of that. Ladies, when was your first memory of knowing that you are a woman, knowing who you are as a, as a daughter, as a father's dearly loved daughter? You see, there's no transition moments where we come into collision with this kind of moment of this is who you are and this is where Jesus is bringing Peter into. He says, Peter, you got it. Heaven showed you, my father showed you this, so let me tell you what my father is saying about you. You see, those who know who they really are spend their time helping others discover who they are. Because if you're not a son, if you don't understand sonship, you'll be very, very easily prone to spiritual slavery. And spiritual slavery involves doing stuff for God, performing for him, having a list of do's and don'ts, having your checklist of your devotional life and your Bible reading and all these things that you hope will give you a sense of appeasing God and giving you peace in his presence, but you haven't understood what it means to truly be loved and accepted by him as your father, knowing you're approved, knowing you're accepted, knowing that love is there and the identity that is special in your life being called out. So Jesus takes this, this heavenly moment and says, Peter, I want you to know something. You are Petra. You are a rock. Now, if you've studied the life of Peter in a lot of the gospels, he's anything but a rock. 
Every moment is a chance for him to say something. He says something stupid. In these moments, you just want to go, Peter, okay? In this meeting, Peter, shh, shh. He's the guy you kind of go, can you sit him in the back? Because he's just going to, he's going me- to mess the whole thing up, right? Goes, walks on the water, begins to fall down. He's the one guy that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, how would you like that on your ministry portfolio? I'm the one, the Messiah said, get behind me, Satan, okay? Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. He's not exactly a rock in, 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 in history. But see, what God does is he pours his love to you. And his love has the power to accept you right where you are. And his love has the power to see you not as you currently are, but who you are becoming that God has set from the foundations of the earth. I bet in Acts 2 and 3, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was reminding him of those words Jesus spoke. He said, you're going to be a rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. What's the rock? The rock is the foundation of identity. It's the foundation of knowing who you are. The more that the church connects to the power of who we are individually and corporately. And he says, I'll give you the keys. I'll give you the keys. You'll begin to bind things on earth and loose things on earth. You'll have a capacity inside of you to change atmospheres, to influence cultures, to be a healing source for people to come and know the Messiah and know the power of the Father's love. You will have the authority to carry out my work, but it can't be by by performing. It can't be by trying to muster up knowledge and understanding Although that's great, it has to come out of confidence in being God's kid. It has to come out of knowing I'm his child. Now, in the Gospels, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew and in other writings, we see in Matthew 3, turn there actually real quick with me. If they have it to put on the screen, they can, but I, I'd just like to, to just turn here just for one quick moment. Matthew 3 at the end of the chapter, this is where Jesus is just about to begin his ministry. And he's getting baptized by John. And there's an identity collision that's gonna take place here where the father is gonna release identity on his son. And this is what's said here. It said, when he had been baptized, in verse 16 of Matthew 3, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open. The heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. So we see the Godhead manifesting in this moment. It's a powerful moment. And the father is going to speak. Now, in the recorded gospels, we only hear a few times the voice of the father recorded in scripture. And and, and when he does, guess what he talks about? Now, I don't know about you, but if if it was me to talk, maybe I would you know, thunder the heavens, some lightning, you know, part some waters, fire, boom, you know? I need to let you all know what's really going on, you know? Show some of that. No, when the father talks, he wants to talk about his boy. This is the heart that he wants conveyed in these days. Do you know, do you remember when when God spoke to Malachi? in an Old Testament period where they're longing for the Messiah, 
And he says, I wanna send the spirit of Elijah. And this is what he's gonna do in the last days before the terrible and great day of the Lord. I want to bring the heart of the Father to the Son and the sons to the Father. Otherwise, the land is going to reap the repercussions of fatherlessness and the lack of sonship. Do you understand that God's heart in these days is to reconcile the love of who he is as a father, as an Abba, as dad, and reconcile sonship in the hearts of people? That you understand who you are as a son, as a daughter, and be reconciled that not only to him, but to each other. You see, God isn't just in the business of just you and him growing. He is just as interested as you and the people around you coming into greater relationship, greater love connection, greater unity, greater sense of experiencing the love that he has for you. And so in this moment, the Father says this, a voice comes from heaven, it says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, in some of the translations, I'm reading out of the New King James and, and you know, the King James can kind of, you can kind of lose some of the heart in the language because we don't use the word beloved. I mean, maybe you do if you're super sophisticated and you walk around with your glass of tea and go, hello, beloved, let us come, let us come sup together, beloved. It doesn't register here. It's just kind of a, yeah, okay. What he's saying is he's saying, this is my dearly, dearly loved son in whom I'm well pleased. I love him. And you all need to hear this. God wanted to brag over the love that he had for his son. And he wanted everybody present to hear it. And he established the identity in that moment, said, this is my beloved son. That's who he is. You'll put all kinds of things on him, healer, prophet, king, sure. He's my son. And I'm well pleased. Now, this is interesting because Jesus had not begun his ministry yet. So the father is giving approval and he hadn't, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, hadn't died on the cross. I wonder if the performance-based people standing around were going, well pleased of what? What did he do? I mean, to the people in the neighborhood, it's like, oh, he's just the, he's the carpenter. What are you pleased with, the tool shed that he built? You see, that's how our minds work. We don't understand approval. We live so much of our life thirsty for someone to just validate us. And that's why we will look for love in all the wrong places and never connect to who we really are. And we will sacrifice who we are because we're trying to find value, trying to find worth in things that never satisfy. In the kingdom of God, approval comes first and then you live. What has been countercultural is we have been living to hopefully one day find approval. And God wants you to be able to receive 
his approval first so that you're able to always remain connected to the identity that he's given you. So he leaves that baptismal moment. Matthew records it. He goes out into the wilderness. And I'm gonna tell you, those of you that are learning who God says that you are, and you're connecting to identity, there are gonna be times and seasons where you'll go into the wilderness. And what's the wilderness? It's a place of great hunger, but it seems as though times around you, circumstances you're in, are somewhat dry. And what you sense in your heart doesn't match what's around you. How many of you have been in circumstances like that? You have a sense of what God can do and what you know he will do. But what's around you is the exact opposite. Those times are often wilderness times and what gets tested, what gets tested in those moments is who you are. What will you begin to establish as your identity? And we have two options in the wilderness. One option is to come under the temptations that come our way. We live under counterfeit identities. We may take on an an identity that is based on performance. We may take on an identity where we perform for love. We chase after things like success and achievement. A common one that we fall into is we get lost in a role. Many times, one of the observations I've seen is moms who've not been able to really cultivate a strong sense of who they are as daughters of God can get lost in their role as a mom. And it's great what you do, but that's not your core identity. It's a role that needs to be attached onto your core identity, which is a daughter. Because that's how you actually mother your children powerfully is by learning to be a daughter. You learn how to father by learning how to be a son. You learn how to build a business in God's favor and power by learning how to be a son. You learn how to pastor a church, shepherd people, teach, write, whatever it is, by being a son, by being a daughter. And many of us get lost, and this is the cause of midlife crisis, nervous breakdowns, is a lack of true cultivated identity, and we get lost in another one. And many times we run into these these difficulties where we can't even connect to the identity God has for us because he calls us up to these higher levels that he says that we are, but we can't receive it. We can't receive his love. There's, There's a sense of worthlessness that bucks up against it. It bucks up against, it's like, ah, it's too good to be true. Not me, because your history tells you you're unloved, you're unworthy. You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. No one's got your back. Those voices echo, 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 echo. So the identity of the kingdom comes and the worthlessness, the lack of being loved, the lack of being accepted, unworthiness comes and meets that. It says, nah, not me. Do you know how many people I've interacted with over and over again where there's a divine sense of who they are and there was a witness of it of the people around, but they couldn't connect to it. There was a resistance that bucked up against it because they had no reference for love. And so when that loving potential brought a new picture to their life, they couldn't receive it. Jesus is in the wilderness and every temptation the devil brings to him. 
is predicated on this statement. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. It is my conviction that pretty much the majority of every temptation in our life that comes against us, that has room to make its way into our thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, is a result of disconnect to love, disconnect to identity. So that's why when Jesus spoke, it is written, he wasn't reciting a Sunday school lesson. He was speaking out of his identity. He wasn't just quoting something somebody else said. So I want you to understand, and what I want to encourage you to take a journey into, and join with me, a guy who was riddled with anxiety, panic attacks, and depression, and God healed and did a transformative work in my heart, in my life. But in the process, he helped establish my identity. And there's three key needs that I want you to walk away from today. There's nothing else you've listened to. If you took a nap during this service and you just woke up right now, these are the three things I'd like you to remember. And it's the three needs we see when Jesus is baptized. Before he started his ministry, before he did anything, is number one, to know that you are loved. Everything comes down to, do you really know that you are loved? I didn't ask you, how loving are you to other people? Because I meet thousands of people that spent their whole life pouring out and are burnt out, crashed, because they never knew how to receive love from God. And they tried to find love by just loving out on others without receiving it. You are a well that needs to be filled. How many of you remember hearing your earthly father speak those words, I love you? Many people don't even have a memory of that. That's a place that God needs to begin to fill in your life. We need more experiences as a fellowship, as a community, where the pure love of God is being spoken, is being demonstrated, is being modeled. Because without love, we are going to perform for our identity. And the key of knowing you're loved is knowing this. He's got my back. He's got me. That kind of love casts out fear. That kind of love settles insecurity. Because if I don't know what I'm doing, it's all right. He's got me. My father's got me. My dad's got my back. When times get tough, when trials are there, when the resistance wars up against me, my dad's got my back. He loves me. And nothing I'm gonna do right now is gonna make, me love, make him love me more. The second thing you need to know, you need to have embedded into your heart is to know who you are as a son, as a daughter. Can I invite you this morning into a spiritual reset? A reset this morning. Maybe you're a business person or you're a parent, grandparent. You've got all these things, all these plates spinning. Can we just settle those for just a second? And can God resurrect the simplicity of what it means to be his child? Ephesians 5 tells us this. It says, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitator. You want to imitate God? Learn to be a kid. That means joy needs to be resurrected. That means trust needs to be 
reset. That means the innocence that was stolen from your life needs to be healed. So God can affirm who you are. And the third thing that you need, and I'll close with this, is you need to know where you get your approval from. Some of you this morning just need to know that your father is proud of you. You just need to know that. You need to have a, a sense from heaven where the words, you're a good father, I'm loved by you, and I'm proud of you. You see, that's, that's really when, I, when he says, in whom I am well pleased, modern vernacular is, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm not proud of you because you're a banker. I'm not proud of you because of all your investments. Yeah, that's great. I love it. I'm just proud to be your father. I'm just proud to know that I created you. And whatever circumstance of history that you come to the table with, my father in heaven, our father in heaven, wants to give you the divine identity. And wouldn't it be awesome if this morning you had a collision with heaven to hear him speak over your heart. This is my dearly loved son. I'm pleased with him. I'm proud of him. That's my boy. I got your back. This is my wonderful daughter. <laughs> I'm so overjoyed of my daughter. She's a princess. She's my delight. And I'm so proud of you. You see, we get so grown up so fast. We start taking life so seriously, don't we? We forget what it means to be a child. And I've been learning over and over again, God is continually teaching me what it means to be a child. Would you take a moment and stand with me? I'd like to take a moment and just pray over you as a congregation. They're gonna sing a song in closing about who you are, that you're no longer slaves. But I just wanna take one minute, just pray this prayer. Can you just take your hand and just put it over your heart for a moment? Just as a sense of God, I, I open my heart to just receive from you. And I just wanna declare the words of Father God's heart over you. It says, this is my, this is my son. I love you. I love you. And I'm so proud of you. This is my, my loved daughter. I love you. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad the day that you were born. You're not a mistake. You're a delight. You're not an inconvenience. You are precious to me. And today I approve you. I accept you. I receive you. Would you let my love pour into your heart? And I ask for heaven to all over this room to deposit the divine identity that God says you are as a son, as a daughter. That he set you apart for a great purpose and a great design. You are significant. 
I release you from those identities you lived for that just didn't fulfill and satisfy. Be released from them today. Be released to be loved and be accepted and be who you are. I say over you, Valley Brook, the most anointed you can ever be is who God made you to be in the simplicity of being a child. Be released from slavery. Be released from the weight and pressures. That yoke is bondage. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So as they sing, would you engage your heart this morning? You're not a slave. You're a loved child of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.